Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. We still have zero response to Iran. None. Nothing. Less than nothing. You can kill Americans and nothing will happen to you. Oh, we've got all the talk in the world. Oh, I can give you all the talk. I can give you John Kirby, National Security Council, talking about how uh, great American resolve is. It has been three days since the attack in Jordan that killed three service members. The president said yesterday that he had decided how to respond, but we haven't seen any public action. Well, you know, we, at least publicly, we haven't seen any action. So with every day that passes and no response, are you missing an opportunity to signal resolve? We signal resolve pretty well. And as I said uh, the other day, we'll respond uh, on our own time, on our own schedule. Uh, and, and, and we'll do that. You think you signal resolve? You're going to respond on your own schedule? Nobody said you're supposed to respond on Iran's schedule. But the idea that you haven't responded yet makes me think you don't know how to respond. It would make me believe that you're going to respond based on what the polling tells you. You're going to respond based on what the party radicals tell you. You're going to respond based on what it is other nations want. And it seems that what other nations want is to tell Hamas they win. Uh, To quote Karol Markowitz, terrorism works. Isn't that what you're saying? Or is all the reporting about the Biden administration and David Cameron in the UK working towards the idea of maybe recognizing Palestinian statehood just a just a, a nonsense story? It was all just made up. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything going on at TonyKatz.com. This is where we're at. When you take a look. At the story out of Axios, you take a look at the story out of Politico, and you and you see uh, that the UK is considering a push to recognize a Palestinian state at the United Nations. Is that right? You're gonna you're going to recognize the guys who were involved in murdering. 1,200 Israelis and others setting babies on fire, raping women, because that's what you're doing. You're not talking about saying, well, here it is. How's it going to get run? How does that nation get run? Because we've seen how Hamas runs a nation. The people don't get food. The people don't get water. The people don't get medicines. You barely build a hospital. But you rip the piping out of the ground to ensure you can fire rockets. These are the people we're now going to elevate to a status of respected partner and nation. The United States really wants to play a game where you lift up Hamas, a terrorist organization sponsored by Iran, a terrorist organization. And we're going to lift them up to some kind of status of of, of equality. Who in the world would believe such a thing? Who in the world would think that you should do or want to do such a thing? And the answer is uh, David Cameron. David Cameron, uh, don't forget, used to be the prime minister of, of the UK. David Cameron is now the foreign minister uh, under, um, 
Oh, God. Oh, Sunak. I always forget his name. Rishi Sunak is the prime minister's name. And they're considering a push to recognize a Palestinian state. This is, of course, animalistic. But this is nothing compared to where the U.S. is. Because the U.S. is considering the same exact thing. State Department reviewing options for possible recognition of a Palestinian state. There is only one translation here, and it is that terrorism works. That you can murder, that you can kill, that you can destroy. You can totally enslave a people when they talk about the fact that that Gaza is an open-air prison. Yeah, and Hamas is the warden. This is what Hamas has done. These were the people who got elected, and I love it when people say, well, why are you blaming uh, uh, the, the youth of, of Gaza today? Who am I supposed to blame? Who am I supposed to blame? By the way, I could take a look at polling after polling after polling that shows the vast majority of people in Gaza totally okay with whatever happens to the Israelis, and the worse, the better. This, these are the people you want to make a nation? Never mind where you are on Jews or anything else. Who really cares? These are the people... Terrorism works. Now anybody who wants to get appreciated, loved, a little bit of attention, all they have to do is go full Glenn Close close in Fatal Attraction. Just boil yourself a bunny, you're going to get some love. Boil a bunny, murder 1,200, it's all the same, kitten. Oh, and you can do things to kittens as well, most probably. This administration is devastating in its... Inability to lead. And oh my goodness. Where can where, where am I? I don't, I don't even know where I'm going to hit. I'll, I know I'll hit it later. Can we talk about the statement from uh, from Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense? Do I have it. I have it, don't I? Oh, oh my gosh. It is. It is beyond embarrassing. To see the Secretary of Defense engaging in what can only be described as um, well, where the hell's the leadership anymore? Where's the strength? This kind of groveling thing that that he's doing as opposed to what should have happened to the Secretary of Defense, which is he should have been fired. He should have been fired for not letting the President of the United States know that he was going in for surgery. I'm a private guy. I like to keep things private. Who cares if you like to keep things private? That's the President. You're the Secretary of Defense. You went AWOL. You didn't respond to your superior. I mean, this statement, this is it. This is nutty. Now, I want you all to know that to know why this happened. I was being treated for prostate cancer. The news shook me, and I know that it shakes so many others, especially in the black community. It was a gut punch. And frankly, my first instinct was to keep it private. I don't think it's news that I'm a pretty private guy. Now, that's actually not the clip I was going for. The clip that I was going for was the one where he's like, the system failed and we're going to implement new systems. New new systems? What are you talking about? New systems. It, 
there's no new system. There's only the one system. And the one system is you let the president know where you're going to be. The system failed us. But then he gets to this thing that it was a gut punch, particularly in the black community. You are not a secretary of defense. You could be the president of Harvard University, though, with that kind of talk. You should have been fired. I'm so insulted by that as an argument being put forward by the Secretary of Defense that if you ask me if I have respect for the man, my answer is, oh, God, hell no, and I don't care about his history. I don't care how long he served. I don't care about his so-called bravery. That's not an argument. That is progressive nonsense, claptrap garbage that has no place in a leadership position. But it's that exact kind of so-called leadership that leads us to a place where maybe... We'll say, hey, Palestinians, hey, uh, Hamas, you win. Here's a state. You win. That's what we're seeing. That's what this administration brings us. There is not an adult in the damn room. Nothing but children. And when I say that, that Lloyd Austin deserves derision and deserves your, your disgust is justified, holy cow. Now, I don't deny it was a gut punch. And I don't deny that he handled it poorly. And I don't deny that it's not easy or that, that, I'm not, that it's easy. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. It's cancer. It has an effect on you. You have to deal with it. It has an effect on your head. You start thinking about your future. You start thinking about your family. All of these things. You don't tell your boss you're going to be off work for a couple days. And then you say, the reason I didn't is because the color of my skin. Well, Tony, you're not black. You don't understand. I understand the job in its most basic elements. And how dare anybody tell me that his race comes before the job. We're not doing it. We're not having it. We cannot go forward as a nation if this is it. Well, the Department of Justice came, not the Department of Justice, the the Defense Department came to a standstill. Why? It had to do with race. He can claim all he wants that everybody knew and nothing was endangered. That's telling us after the fact. But in my first week back in the Pentagon, I did want to address my recent hospital stay and some of the issues around it. I'm recovering well, but as you can see, I'm still recovering. I'm still having some leg pain and doing physical therapy to get past it. I'm deeply grateful to my doctors and the nursing staff at Walter Reed. And I very much appreciate all the good wishes. But I want to be crystal clear. We did not handle this right. And I did not handle this right. I should have told the president about my cancer diagnosis. I should have also told my team and the American public. And I take full responsibility. I apologize to my teammates and to the American people. Now, I want to make it very clear that there were no gaps in authorities and no risk to the department's command and control. I don't believe you at all. I don't believe that a man in your capacity, having all those years in the military, who didn't inform his boss, the commander in chief, can look at me in the eye, look at me directly, and say to me everything was under control and get me to believe him. 
I don't believe you for a second. I think you're a fraud. My anger on this subject is through the roof. And I must admit, it's not 100% directed at him. My anger is predicated on the idea that we as a nation would accept this. I'm not saying the man doesn't have cancer. I'm not saying the man didn't have a recovery and still has a recovery. I'm not saying it didn't have an effect on the man. I am saying that all of those things don't matter. The protection of the nation matters. The chain of command matters because without these things, we don't have anything. And I am not interested at this level in somehow saying, well, there are excuses to be uh, allowed and there are uh, uh, bends that can be made. No. If the corporal doesn't return to the base on the Tuesday that the corporal is supposed to return on the base, exactly what moment on Wednesday will be they will they be known as private? Yet when you're the Secretary of Defense, it's okay. I want to know how many in the ranks have had to have some kind of punishment, some loss of rank or or, or title or pay, or what, or responsibility, what have you, for engaging in this exact kind of behavior. I want to know, within any concept or construct of war, how many people have died because of an action like this. Don't tell me that there was never any loss of command. I don't believe you. Don't believe it at all. And I am not interested in this holy damn pity party where you bring up the color of your skin. We don't care if you're white or black or Asian or Hispanic. We don't care about your sexual orientation. We don't care about religion. We know what we care about that when the moment comes, you're ready to hurt the enemy. And not only were you not ready, you were not there. And sometimes you can't be there. Sometimes you've got an issue. Nobody is faulting you for this. But you set things up and then you do what you have to do. This wasn't an emergency. You were not somehow stricken very quickly with an illness or an injury that required immediate surgery and maybe no communication. By the way, no one in your staff knew how to communicate? No, no, no. You're admitting that you told your staff not to communicate. You knew the diagnosis. You knew the surgery. You knew everything that was going on, and you still said nothing. That failure in your own head, those misgivings, those misjudgments, those failures cannot be rewarded by allowing you to continue to be the Secretary of Defense. And we are all out of our minds if we continue to allow it. These are the same people who will allow it, the same people who will also tell you, yeah, you know what, um, Maybe we should talk about a Palestinian state. Incompetence gets rewarded and terrorism works. This is no way to run a world. I'm Tony Katz and this is Tony Katz Today. So I have not seen one of these Stanley Cups I'm not talking about hockey. I'm talking about the company Stanley. 
all of a sudden uh, to get one of their their cups that I guess will hold you you know hold a hot drink or hold a cold drink I don't know uh, and 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 people are crazy about them and the, the Valentine's version and and and, and everything else uh, these these things have become crazy popular Tony Katz Tony Katz today well Target has now fired seven employees. Who bought one? I, did they buy the Valentine's cup? Or they purchased a Starbucks X Stanley cup. I don't even know what that looks like. I was trying to look for for one here. I'm looking through the article. I I have not seen what it looks like. I know there was the Valentine's one, which is like pink or whatever it was. You're like, oh, that's 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 super cute. But I, it, it's it's a cup. It's a cup. But people are crazy about them. The limited edition cup has a price tag of $49.95. Isn't that what a Yeti costs? So, I i mean, the, the, the Yeti does keep things cold. I mean, it'll keep the ice. Uh, I had made, I don't have one with me right now. I don't know where to, uh, a series of tumblers I had ordered uh, with, with my TK logo on it. And uh, and I, I ordered them, and they're fantastic. They're they're unbelievable and the hot stuff stays hot for a tremendously long time the cold stuff the ice stays and then i realized they're from china i'm like oh i can't do that again i can't except i can't i mean laser engraved and stuff i can't find them anywhere it's the only place i can find them made so i've never ordered uh, another set because i didn't want to order from china Although they're awesome, and I know they would sell, and we're working on a whole store, and, and it'd, it'd be fantastic, but I can't do it. So I don't know where the Stanley Cups are made. That's a good question. Why is it so hard to find one of those things not made in China? It, it's weird. Like, I can find T-shirts not made in China. I order those for, you know, swag for, like, Eat, Drink, Smoke, My Cigar and Bourbon Show, and hats I, I find not made in 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 China, you know, we're working on like like beanies or like winter or something. I can find all of that, but these 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 mugs, I, the only place I can find them made is China. So if if, if you uh, if you know of anybody who makes those, let me know. Hold on, Sarah's saying me the pink Valentine Stanley is the Starbucks X Stanley. They're the same thing. Why are they the same thing? I have no. I, and who wants anything Starbucks that bad? There's like real coffee to drink, local coffee to drink. Somewhere there's a local roaster near where you live. My God, you shop there. That's where you buy it. Who would actually proactively buy their coffee from Starbucks? This is silly. Uh, Also, um, we should be clear, Starbucks is never going to be a sponsor of the show. And that's okay because you do not make great coffee. Now, I try my best not to go, but sometimes you're you're there for a trip, right? You got a conference, and it's the only thing in the hotel, and you do what you do, right? I'm, I'm not saying one should, should lose their heads o- o- over things. I'm saying that in the main, try to avoid it. Friends don't let friends drink Starbucks, and, and Dunkin' Donuts is far better, at least coffee-wise. The donuts may have gone to crap. What? We're, we're not going to speak truth to each other now? The, do- the donuts are not are not what they used to be. Certainly growing up compared to now. No, 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 no. But I don't know what the deal is with these cups. But people are getting fired because the employees are taking them. Are they reselling them on eBay? Are they allowed? To, is it that they're not allowed to buy them? Or are they trying to hide them? Getting an unfair advantage over the guest? Honestly, that's right. The guest does come first. This is Tony Katz today. 
the economy, and I seem to be swimming in a completely different direction than what Wall Street's telling us and what the, certainly what the administration's telling us, and I think people see me as a naysayer. I'm not trying to be a naysayer. I want things to be great. I just don't see the greatness. I talk to the business owners. I take a look at what happens in China, and I ask myself, how does this not lead to something serious? I take a look at oil prices being down, and I say, that's great, except China's not using as much because they're not producing as much because of their own financial issues. This is going to be bad news for the rest of us in this interconnected world. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. I figured, uh, you know, I, I speak to economist Dr. Matt Will a lot. I figured maybe I should, I should go uh, uh, to, to my original guy. Maybe I should get somebody who will slap me in the face and say, Tony, you don't understand how good things are. Or maybe I'll find out I'm right. Charles Payne joins us right now. You see his work on Fox Business, making money with Charles Payne. That is 2 p.m. on Fox Business, Monday through Friday. And his latest book, Unbreakable Investor. You can go to unbreakableinvestor.com and check it out for yourself. Uh, I guess I'll start with the general is this a wonderful, glorious economy, and I'm just a naysayer, or do I see what other people don't see? You see what other people don't see. I'm jumping into foxhole with you, my man. I got your back on this one. Right on. It, so, it, so what it, is here's, it? here's the two, two, two ways they set up the narrative, two ways. First and foremost, we had, uh, we had a record by far, not even close, shattering record of money that came cascading into our economy. Uh, after the pandemic, just and, uh, just trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. And that takes a while to work its way through the system. We should never, ever uh, equate that to organic growth. We should never think that that's something, you know, we know it's a temporary thing. Uh, it feels good while it's making its way through the system. The velocity of, uh, of money has uh, has increased. Uh, and so that is part of the picture. The other part, and the part that really frustrates me, is this whole game of consensus. Well, the number came in better than Wall Street consensus. That doesn't mean it's good. I mean, it just means that a bunch of people took a guess and they were wrong. So I, I'm with you because if you really cut through the fog and you see what's really happening with delinquency rates skyrocketing, with wages getting very weak and look like they're going to get a lot weaker, this jobs this jobs market is not nearly as so strong as they suggest that it is, and all of that free money is fading. Uh, you know, so it's like watching a football game. Uh, you see where the ball is going, right? and you can see in slow motion. You know, a lot of times we watch a game, we can see the, the quarterback throws a bomb, and you can see the receiver getting open. You figured that you know what's going to happen as a few seconds later. I just think it's pretty, pretty, it's pretty well known. It seems to me that we're heading towards something that's going to be very, very painful right around the corner. So let's start with where this happening. I've got three things I want to get to, starting with the interest rates, because the Fed announced yesterday they're not going to change interest rates, meaning lower them. Wall Street had a field day when it was told to them there'll probably be three rate decreases in 2024. Then you read the minutes of their meeting, and the minutes didn't say anything like what they were saying publicly. No rate decrease, and really a signal from the Fed that 2024 might just lay itself uh, flat. It, shouldn't this be warning number one? It, well, the thing is, uh, there, there's no rate increase in March. They're still saying uh, three rate increase, uh, cuts rather, r three rate cuts this year. 
Uh, and so that's their way of acknowledging that the economy is slowing and that inflation will be low enough for them to be accommodated because they really, at the end of the day, their real goal is to, to make sure that Wall Street stays um, you know, flush. Now, Wall Street, of course, is very greedy. Wall Street wants at least five to six rate cuts. And in fact, if you look at all the different measures of, of how they measure you know, the markets, the market is still, at this very moment, even without a rate cut in March, still looking at six rate cuts this year. So that's a sign the economy is going to be slowing. And they, they want this thing called, called a soft landing, where it slows just enough, but we don't have a spike in unemployment and things don't happen. Uh, we'll see what happens there, because the, the measure that they use, there are three unemployment measures at the Bureau of Labor Statistics. They all begin with the U. The one that we hear about, the U3 unemployment rate, is so skewed, it's embarrassing. Every time I hear an economist talk about it in glowing terms without adding the caveat, that last month, the last one we got, 670,000 people left the labor force. So the number was had a three-handle. It was 3.9. If that many people stayed in the labor force, the unemployment rate would have been well over 4%. So is that good news or is that bad news? That's, that, that 600,000 people left the labor force. That's a strong economy? By the way, there were over 600,000 people, fewer workers month to month. Is that really a strong economy? Of course it's not. You skewed the data. So do you go off of this artificial data to try to tell the public that the economy is strong when one of these 600,000 people are saying, hey, it was so weak in my neighborhood, I didn't even bother looking for a job. I dropped out of the labor market. Talking to Charles Payne from Fox Business, unbreakableinvestor.com. You can get his new book, Build the American Dream in Any Economic Cycle, by Charles Payne, unbreakableinvestor.com. So this rate conversation is is number one, and you're absolutely right about uh, the, the labor force conversation. Number two takes us over to China, which has a U.S. corollary. You take a look at Evergrande, and we talk about these things, this massive real estate company going belly up, the Hong Kong courts uh, deciding it's time to liquidate. China did not prop this thing up with 80-plus billion dollars in, 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 in losses and a possible $420 billion, whatever it is, in debt. You've got Country Garden right behind it, which could go the same way. And then you have U.S. real estate, which could be engaging a lot of refinancing coming up. They got the money at low rates. The rates now are higher, which might mean abandoning a lot of real estate or letting it go uh, in fire sales. Give me the one, two, three punch here on how that affects the American consumer on Midwest Main Street. Well, there's two things. Uh, ironically, one is, is pretty beneficial for Joe Biden. Gasoline prices didn't go up. China's economy, China's been the main driver of, of gasoline, of crude oil prices over the last few years. Their, their rapid growth, their insatiable appetite for energy, uh, and because their economy is so weak, it's actually helped to keep our oil and gasoline prices lower. But to your point, which is also a cautionary tale, uh, on the commercial real estate side, we're in trouble. We are in a whole lot of trouble. And what's really worrisome about it it's mostly regional banks that have made these loans. Now, if you see that if, if, if Main Street has changed to the point where uh, people are not going to go back to work, not in enough, not in enough capacity to justify the buildings that have already been built, and those buildings have big debts against them, they're going to be a lot of massive defaults in this country. Now, some of it's because you can't work from home in a lot of larger cities, it's because you don't want to go to the city, and, and so. 
we've got that. And in China, again, you know, they've, they've had this manufactured economy for a long time. They've built ghost cities, entire cities that are completely empty. By the way, they've also built some amazing cities that we, you know, the average American, if they ever saw pictures of it, would be like, oh, my goodness, what? how'd they do that? You know, uh, but that's how they've always kept their economy going. It's been artificial. It's been man-made. But one thing people need to understand, Tony, and this is critical, a year ago, two years ago, uh, she decided instead of prosperity that we're going to focus on war. He is getting his country and his economy ready for war. So all of the money that they might have put into propping up an Evergrande, they're using it in different ways right now. And the economy takes a, a backseat to all of that. And and that's something that really is worrisome to me as well. So you're having the conversation regarding Taiwan, because this is very clearly the place and the one China philosophy. Uh, and of course, as a guy who, who plays in the economy morning, noon and night, you're, you're watching this. Uh, you're engaging an expectation of that to take place. But what does that do to the marketplace if it does? Well, uh it depends on when, but it's going to obviously be disastrous, at least initially, and that's because of the semiconductor situation. Listen, we're in a fourth industrial revolution, but it doesn't happen. It's all being powered by the computer chips and, and, these, and these semiconductor chips. And if you look at the shares of in, in, in NVIDIA as your pro poster child for this, uh, it's just amazing. And the thing is, we've waited too long. It, it will take, uh, I think there was the CEO of Micron, it would take uh, maybe 20 years to completely get all of the uh, semiconductor risk that we have embedded because of the Taiwan uh, to our shores or out of Taiwan. So it would be a massive, massive, massive blow. Um, it would also uh, ignite really amazing fears and economic regression and to all of the Pacific, maybe even beyond there. Uh, and and it, But I don't see how it cannot happen. In the, in the most recent meeting, I think it was about two months ago, she and, and, and uh, President Biden face-to-face -face in California, he looked President Biden right in the face and says, we're taking Taiwan, one way or the other. He looked him right in the face and says, we are taking Taiwan. And so it's the only thing we can hope is that it's later, much later. You know, the, the irony is that Taiwan just had an election that was razor close. And then the candidate who lost was actually saying, Taiwan should make nice with China because once America has the semiconductor capacity, they won't protect us anyway. So it's a complicated mix. Right now, it would be a huge, a huge uh, economic blow to the world, but more specifically to uh, to our grander ambitions to, to continue to dominate, particularly when it comes to this fourth industrial revolution. Let me give you spot number three that I'm paying attention to. Talking to Charles Payne of Fox Business, the book Unbreakable Investor. Find it at unbreakableinvestor.com. Uh, the books, the trainings, all of it, unbreakableinvestor.com. Third quarter credit card debt in the United States was $1.08 And I don't know how this isn't looked at every day as the bomb that puts an end to consumer spending when the number becomes untenable and nobody, you talked about defaults earlier, nobody pays back their credit card debt, figuring if Biden will take care of my student loan, someone's going to take care of this. What's the danger number if $1.08 trillion isn't already it? Oh, that is a hell of a question. And I, you know, listen, I pose the same question to the top economists on Wall Street. 95% of them are so sanguine about this, it drives me crazy. 
Uh, here's what they tell me. Don't worry about it. As long as people have a job, they'll pay their credit card bill, even if it's the minimum. Okay. Then they say, oh, by the way, that number seems large, but as a percentage of GDP, it's actually a lot lower than it's been in recent years. <laughs> okay. Oh, and do you know technically, Tony, that although we borrowed a trillion on our credit cards, you know how much is left, how much room we have left to borrow? Another three trillion. That's right. The max capacity for us to borrow as a nation on our credit cards is $4 trillion. Uh, I think it's whistling past the graveyard because the interest rates have never been higher. It's almost 22%. Store cards are 34%. Delinquency rates are, are, are rapidly rising tremendously. And now you've got people on buy now, pay later, uh, which is going to be another unmitigated disaster. And this last December, a lot of people started using that to eat, to buy groceries. We just have two Americas, one America that's doing, doing very well and one that is not living on borrowed time. And, and, and the one that's living on borrowed time has no voice in the media. They don't control the narrative. They don't control Wall Street's narrative. And that narrative is, hey, let's get Joe Biden reelected because Joe Biden has been the best gift to the elites ever. When I, when I say ever, I mean ever. Forget about, you know, the Democrats, the, the Republicans like the rich. What Joe Biden has done for the wealthiest people in this country is mind-boggling. From earned income tax credits to, to couples making over 300000 to bus drivers paying the student loans for people with PhDs, to that $1.9 trillion COVID package, which over the next five years will all mitigate to the top 1% in this country. Uh, so you're out there sounding the alarm, and it's, and it's admirable, and I, and I hope you keep doing it. And, but the, 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 the powers that be are deliberately ignoring it. Charles Payne bringing the heavy, by the way, sanguine, uh, cheerfully optimistic, <laughs> sometimes to the point of seeming complacent, oblivious, or naive. Lo- Good word. I, not not used you. enough, Charles Payne. Yeah. So I Thank bring you. it to you. Uh, his book, Unbreakable Investor, find it at unbreakableinvestor.com. Uh, find everything he has to offer. And of course, catch him on Fox Business every Monday through Friday. Charles Payne, I appreciate you taking the time. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Joe Biden, he's going to head himself to East Palestine, Ohio. Remember, there was a big disaster there, and the train turned uh, turned over, and chemicals got into the water supply, and people weren't feeling well. And Joe Biden said, um, uh, I'm not going to East Palestine. That's where all the rockets are. And someone said, no, sir, uh, th- this is in Ohio. And he said, well, I'm not going to Ohio either. So now it's been a year and he's finally going to go. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. He's finally going to show up in East Palestine, Ohio. And, of course, the reporters want to know, is he going to drink the water? And then next month, when the president is in East Palestine, will he drink the water there? I mean, look, what I can tell you is the president's focus has been to do everything that he can to support this community from day one. We get what's going on on the ground. We understand what's going on. That's why we've had the EPA. That's why we had DOT. That's why we had HHS. That's why we've had FEMA on the ground. Um, you know, this is not about some sort of like political stunt here. This is not about, this is not what this is about. This is about this president being a president for everyone and showing up, showing up for this community. That's what this is about. 
I'm not going to get into some sort of political stunts about drinking about drinking water. What we're going to focus about is making sure they have what they need. And the president was invited by the mayor, by community leaders. He's going to show up. He always said he would be there when it was the most helpful. A year. A year later, he's showing up. You get credit for that. I, I have never understood why he didn't show up earlier. What would have been so bad about showing up in month three, four, five, six, seven? All right, you don't show up in the first hour. I get it. You they you got a disaster. You got to get the people in there who know how to deal with disasters. You got to get things mitigated. You got to get people to help they need. You don't don't get in the way. The president shows up. It takes a lot of resources away from from other things. But why couldn't he get there until now? And why do they feel it even necessary? So the question would stop being asked? Now it's about, well, why did it take so long? And what's he going to say? He's got a commitment to trains? A commitment to the environment? A commitment to Ohio? Or did all of a sudden Ohio come into play politically and therefore, well, he had to go? This takes us to the polling this Trump versus Biden polling I'm going to break it down and a discussion of what it says what it doesn't say and also what could have been find everything at TonyKatz.com this is Tony Katz today